are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm. I'm. I had to adjust my microphone. Okay. Yeah, your microphone and your microphone settings. My mic. I, I got all the. Uh, got all the stuff. Do I sound weird? You sounded weird at first, but fine now. Well, I think it was because I was. It was more microphone technique. I was just away from the microphone. I did not adjust any settings um, other than the boom arm setting. Microphone, good. Speaker's good. Everything's good. Everything's good on my end. Good. Um, so, so hello. How, how are you? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting caffeinated. Oh, me too. Me too. I, um, so, so Ben, um, uh, can I introduce you to something oh my that God. is not only delicious, but will also make an impact? Oh, can you, can you ever, um, yeah, go, go right ahead. Go right ahead, so Don. I'll, before we, so this is going to be an ad read folks, but, but I, I encourage you to, to stick with it. Like I don't, I like, I skip a lot of ad reads. I listen to the, I listen to the, the. Uh, pod save ones just because I want to hear what Lovett has to say because it's, it's pretty funny but no so we were contacted by somebody who has something that they wanted to promote they had expressed an interest in buying ads um, but they're a non-profit company and we don't really sell ads and so we said yeah we'll uh, we'll advertise your product uh, if you send us a free sample and so this is this is a company uh, called Thrive Cop Sorry, bleh, start again. This, fix this in post. Um, this is a company called Thrive Coffee. They are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster, and they use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, their beans are lo- locally roasted in small batches to ensure the highest quality, and they ship nationwide. Uh, three bags, it says here in the ad copy, three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their the the differently abled customers of Thrive Coffee, so we we have a uh, a promo code and we have a website, and so the uh, the website is drinkthrive.org. You can tell they're a nonprofit because it says it right there in the name .org. So that's drinkthrive t h r i v e .org, and you can use the promo code Safety Talk at checkout. So, like the name of the podcast, Food Safety Talk, but leave off the food, right? So, just safety talk. And so, yeah. So this is—it's a good coffee. I'm—I'm drinking—I'm drinking some right now. I—I—I I saved it for the show, as they say. I—I I had regular Starbucks this morning, and as I was sharing via text message, I had too many carbs for lunch, and so <laughs> I'm in danger of falling asleep. But I got this lovely cup of uh, Thrive Coffee right next to me, and so that's not going to happen. So I'm going to take a sip right now. I uh, so. Something cool, um, and we'll we'll link to drink drinkthrive dot org, which is hard for me to say, um, maybe because I haven't had enough Thrive coffee um, yet yet uh, today. Um, but there's a really um, there's kind of a really cool story, so we'll we'll link to this. It's on their mission, um, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, this comes to the story. Carrie Lee is a special education teacher in Chesterfield County. Virginia, who noticed something extremely important while teaching high school students. After graduating, there are not many paying jobs for these members of our society. The unemployment rate for people with disabilities typically floats right around 7%. Um, Soon after coming to this realization, the Thrive Coffee was the idea for Thrive Coffee was born um, and it was a local coffee shop. But, um, you know, skipping forward, it moved online 
uh, because of the the pandemic. And so they, you know, um, the team at Thrive made the difficult decision to put in-person coffee on hold for the time being and began to brainstorm ways to continue our mission. The answer to, or as an answer to this unfortunate situation, Thrive Roasting was launched in May of 2020 as a local small batch craft roaster. And so that's that's what we received. Um, the amazingly roasted coffee is paired perfectly with our continuing mission of providing employment opportunities to people with disabilities. And we're proud to have made this change. We offer a fantastic selection of blends, blends like Red Bike and Campfire, as well, well as single origin beans. Um, and so I think I received, I think, um, I didn't get red bike cause you and I both prefer uh, dark roast. I think mm-hmm. campfire is one that I received and, and uh, dogwood is the other and dogwood. Yes. Yeah. But which, you know, um, I do a lot of biking these days and try to purchase almost everything with a with, with bike uh, in in the name, uh, mainly for awesome logos. I'm actually currently wearing Don. You can't see this right now. I'll send you a picture, though. Um, I'm currently wearing a t uh, a long sleeve t shirt that I purchased on my uh, mountain biking trip with my family to Arkansas that says um, "Bike Arkansas" on it, uh, and it's a very my. The lovely Danielle told me uh, you should buy this shirt because that's a really cool uh, color and it's got lots of fun logos on it. So anyway, I would have the not to jump too far off of Thrive Coffee. I would have just by name purchased Red Bike uh, Blend um, because we do a lot of we do a lot of bike things now. Um, Yeah. So of red things that we purchased, I I am wearing a red uh, shirt. Um, uh, from Cotton Bureau, and it says it's complicated and it depends. And so it's a podcast T-shirt. That so. is a podcast. Um, oh, t-shirt. I, I will say too, the podcast uh, T-shirt uh, thing is going away at some point. So get your T-shirts now. Um, if you don't read the show notes, you can send us an email, and we'll we'll tell you what the link is to order T-shirts. But it'll also be right there in the show notes. But I will say too that the Thrive Co- the Thrive Coffee coupon or the the promo code expires on September 2nd. And so get your coffee before September 2nd if you want to support the folks at Thrive Coffee. Yeah, yeah. And and we're like like Don said, this isn't something that we that we normally do and we're our our benefit on our end was uh, we got some couple of free coffees. Uh but I I, I just I you know, I, I think both of us um really support the the mission of um, making sure that that we support our our communities and and certainly um, supporting individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities through um, employment and education and training as as Thrive does it, it's I'm, it it hits it hits uh, close to my heart and anything that we can do to to share their story I'm I'm really happy to be part of so so thanks to Thrive for reaching out to us and and our you know our our. You know, a small but passionate listenership base. Uh, check it out and see what see what you see what you get from uh, from Thrive for your coffee and your support of um, of their mission. Um, so we had a really good episode uh, uh, last week that that dropped where um, we had a, an excellent guest, uh, Michelle Foreman from um, APHL, the Association of Public Health uh, Laboratories. And because, but because of that, uh, because we had a great, great guest, we didn't get to like almost all of our feedback. So we need to do that today. Um, just this me, maybe just me telling you stuff, Don, of things that yeah. we, we need to do. Um, also, 
I have like kind of an announcement, I guess. This you know, you know about this, so it's not a surprise. I'm not I'm not leaving not leaving your show. Um, oh, okay. I thought maybe you were pregnant or something. No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I'm unaware of my pregnancy status. Um, but uh, no. So so here's here's the thing, and this is more just like me sharing stuff because I get to talk to you about things. Um, but I so I took a new role at NC State. I'm I'm a an interim department head. So I've I've kind of I guess. Um, in our academic parlance, um, switched over to the dark side as I received multiple, <laughs> literally multiple texts that said that. Uh, not just from a friend of the show, Michelle Danilock, who thinks she's banned from listening but is not, uh, but from but from others as well. But one of the things that that I'm I I will continue to keep my my nose in the world of food safety is through doing this podcast and our other podcast. So I I'm I, I share that with you today, Don, because I um, I had a, a like a, a day of of department heading and and then now I'm switching my brain to food safety things. And I I'll tell you that um, there is something really satisfying about doing both of those things. Like it was it's kind of cool to have I. I not not that I didn't look forward to talking to you, Don, but I really looked forward to this time on my calendar today more than I can remember. And, and not and like and not in a not in a bad like not in a bad way or or a good way. Just a whoa, that was different. Cause I, you know, usually I think about all things food safety all the time. And I, I've I've been doing other other things for the last uh you know a week or so. So so anyway, I just wanted to share that with you that I I really am looking forward to talking to you today. Well, oh, I have I have some feedback for you. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I am I'm looking at the agricultural and uh, agricultural and human <laughs> sciences website. Uh huh. I have two two points. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. Number one, um, the leadership photo is wrong. It's it's not the interim chair. It's the old chair. It is. Yeah. Oh, Carol, your your friend of mine, uh, Carolyn Dunn, who you talked about on the podcast as being a great department chair, as I recall. Um. But the second bit of feedback, Ben, is as you know, we all have superpowers. Um, one of my superpowers is to spot photos where the aspect ratio is off. <laughs> it is yours. And, yes. And there and there are multiple photos, Ben, multiple photos on this website where the aspect ratio is off. And so what my message to you, Ben, is number one. Get your picture on the web page. And number two, fix, fix the aspect ratio. Fix the aspect ratio. I'm I'm with you. I, I will tell you that um, the uh, the you uh, you have raised something that I've also highlighted, and uh, I'm in you know just like a department head is. I'm in the process of uh, of changing things, uh, <laughs> including yeah, meeting with the person who uh, runs our website to update things, uh, who is uh, currently on vacation. Okay, well, that's yeah. fine. I'll give you yeah. till the next episode. Yeah, yeah. So, so my question to you is, why are you interim? Why are you not the actual, wow. like, real, full, fully empowered chair? Well, Don, it's it's uh, I, it, you know, let, you can talk about it. Oh, I can. I can. I'll, 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 no, I'm I'm talking. I'm happy to talk about it. And I, I, I um, I'm interim because I I don't like to be presumptuous. Um, mainly, and I also like to follow, I like to follow process, even though you and I, we, I mean, of the two of us that, that follow process, I probably follow the process the least, but, um, but you know, so I'm, uh, 
I was selected uh, to be department head and that um, this title and this position needs the um, approval of um, two, two groups, the um, UNC Board of Governors and the NC State Board of Trustees. And they don't oh, okay. it's a timing thing. Oh, uh, yeah, they don't yeah. they don't meet. Um, uh, and they're right. not going to have a special meeting. I mean, you're important, but you're not that important. That they're right. Being a special meeting. So, all right. So, so you're interim for the moment. Right. Right. I'm interim for the moment. Um, and uh, with all the hopes and, and beliefs that that I'll I'll make it through the approval process uh, at some point in the next couple of months, and and I will no longer be interim. But again, I don't like to be presumptuous about it. And may, you know, yeah. that, that that's just uh, that's just where it is. Kind of like I I well and um when. You know, you you learn about promotions in the academic world um, in a faculty position before. You know, for for us, um, I I learned when I moved from um, uh, assistant to associate professor and from associate to professor um, at you know like in in April or May. But that title didn't come into effect until July first because it follows the fiscal year mainly because they also get, have to get approved. Um, through the process. And so I was, I was very um, superstitious about, man, super, that's not even the right word. I, I was just very like, well, you know what? That title doesn't come into effect until July 1st. So I will on July 1st update my title in all the places where my title exists. Um, and so that, um, you know, that that's, I'm, I'm, I'm following very much the same, um, the same process. Yeah. And, you know, we know we know that the approval by the board of trustees is is important um, because, <laughs> because sometimes oh, people that get offered uh, positions, tenured positions and who are voted on by the faculty at institutions like UNC um, uh, decide to uh, turn the position down um, because yeah. those guys are apparently uh, racists. Well, <laughs> I don't, no, you can't say. I don't know. I don't know what the, but yes, they are. How about this? They, um, people uh, pay atten- the people pay attention to what they do now. Um, yeah, it was and, and it's created created a mess. So um, yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuff happens. Um, that, that, that probably won't happen to you. I I'm, again, I'm hoping. I'm hoping not. Uh, and uh, we'll, we follow Don. We follow the process. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing. You follow the process. Follow the process. So I'm in, so I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the midst of a process, and that's why uh, why it says interim. Um, okay. And but but it is like yeah. it, it's a it's a really like it's a good question, and it's more questions for like people interact with me and, and folks in my department. Uh, I've 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 had to explain the process now on multiple occasions, and it's because it's kind of confusing. It's like wait, what's sorry, what's happening? And it's like wow, this is a thing that that we we the the system that we. Ex- Thunder. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at, but it's, it is a, um, you know, the, uh, my, my, my program at NC state, and we talked about it a lot here on this, uh, on this program, uh, the safe place program, we, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, everything will continue to go forward and we've got some new changes in the transition with some new folks coming in who I can't also talk about yet. Um, but I'm still going to be, I'm still certainly involved, um, in, in it just less so on a day to day. Uh, but one of the things that I will continue to do on a day to day is, is like, podcast stuff because this is fun and it keeps me involved and it, it is it, it really remains part of my my role as an extension specialist and and i i'm, I'm just i'm excited to keep to to be to be able to 
um, to put this uh, as a priority and make time for it uh, as we as we go forward. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad. And also, uh, I, I don't know if you can share. I did ask you this. I'm not sure that your answer was entirely. Um, uh, I think you were you were playing it for laughs. I did I did tell you that you should negotiate hard for, to get some good perks, and I asked you what those perks were. And I'm pretty sure that you were just uh, putting me on with your response. Yeah, I said I got a uh, executive bathroom and a red Corvette. I thought those were the two. That's what I was looking for. Um, so, it, I, but I'll, I'll tell you when when uh, when I received an offer letter, those two items were not there. So I was playing hardball. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, no executive bathroom or, or red Corvette. Uh, so no, for somebody to help you edit podcasts. That's yeah. Yeah. No, the, I mean, the Don, like the, the perk is I still get to do the podcast. That was, I negotiated that into, into the process. Um, well, hopefully the trustees don't listen. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Any of the, uh, we'll, we'll, yes, we'll, we'll make sure not to tag them (laughs) in the post. Um, so yeah, this is a lot of lot, lot of lot of fun stuff uh, going on. Um, but um, there's still like there's still tons of fun things that uh, um, that, that get to that get to come up uh, in in the world of food safety. You know, just because I'm doing things that are departmental things doesn't mean that the world of food safety stops. Um, and I still haven't told you a whole lot about my my like trip. Um, so. Mm. I wanted to say, so, so here, you know, and again, I don't think it's OPSEC if it's afterwards, right? Like what I did in the past, it's not like someone's going to go travel back in time and try to like OPSEC me. <laughs> well, if they can travel back in time, we got bigger problems yeah. than your OPSEC. Right, right, right. So, so I, I, I went, I did, I did a, um, a family vacation where we went to Northwest Arkansas, which is not a place that people go to a lot of a lot on vacation. Um, and, uh, we did that to, to mountain bike, but on the way to Northwest Arkansas, uh, the town of Bentonville, Arkansas, where it's a home of, of Walmart, where we may or may not have listeners, um, uh, to the show who, who live in, uh, in Bentonville or surroundings based on, uh, Walmart's a big food company too. Uh, but, um, on the way there, the, probably my, the highlight of my trip, the mountain biking was fabulous. It was a great time. It's a place that we're going to go back at some, at some point in the future. We, we loved, I don't know if anybody said this, but we loved our time in Bentonville, Arkansas so much so that <laughs> we will like, we, we are actively planning a, a, additional trips. But on the way there, we stopped at, at um, Amer- one of America's largest tourist stops, tourist destinations. Dom, we went to Graceland. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Have you been? No. Is the, I, 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 It strikes me as Graceland might not be your thing. But no, it's not my thing. But but I, I appreciate that that you would want to go there. I I'm here to tell you. I think it. I I it was kind of my thing. Danny thought it was very much not her thing. And at the end of our three hours in Graceland, she was like, "That was so not a waste of time and money. <laughs> not that it was that it was worth the trip." So, um, I I uh, it, it, the the thing. So and and again, just like many many people, you know, people who do CrossFit, um, people that uh, are vegans, um, you know, I'm here to tell you about all the things that you didn't know about Graceland, but many people have already know about Graceland. So so that you know, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I, but I I love this tourist stop of actually 
going to Elvis's house and the access of walking through this house and just how it had been like decorated and all the artifacts that they had from, you know, it was just, it's so bizarre to think about. And what a, like what an odd life that people live, including Elvis and other celebrities where he like Graceland is just like, looks like a house in my neighborhood. Not that I live in a fancy, fancy, schmancy neighborhood, but it's not a, like, it's not what I expected from like one of the biggest stars you know, uh, ever. Um, but, but the, when you go inside some of the, like, like there, you know, there's just some weird rooms and it was so cool. Um, so anyway, I would, I would encourage, um, you know, others, if you're driving through Memphis on your way to Northwest Arkansas, spend time from, you know, you're driving through Memphis from, you know, wherever. And, and that's a spot that you could stop. I would, it was cool. It was awesome. And this is not a paid spot. Graceland is not sponsored the show this time. Um, well, and you know, it's it's interesting. I had no, I was picturing something a little bigger, but there is, and if you if you go to the Graceland website, you the the, the photo at the top makes it look kind of big, but then if you scroll down, there's just a, a shot of the Graceland mansion, and yeah, it looks like it, except for the columns, it could be a house in my neighborhood too. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. there's there's certainly like some wings that were built on that. Um, that, that, you know, we're there over time and there's the, you know, there's a backyard that's, it's totally different than any, you know, any, anything that, um, that you would expect. And there's lots of acreage, but it's also like in this weird spot where it's kind of like off it's, you know, it was probably a residential neighborhood at some point. And then the kitsch of being around Graceland built up around it, um, where there's like a you know a Hardee's or some the subway mm-hmm. that's like right at the at the entrance. Um, but it was anyway. It was a very um, it was a, it was interesting. It was a cool it was a cool cool stop. Um, and the other thing that I, I I try to do when I'm on vacation, I I forget about Instagram until I'm on vacation where I'm taking pictures mm-hmm. and, and I, um, not only did we stop at Elvis's, you know, home of Elvis at Graceland, but I stopped at, um, uh, or we stopped at, um, uh, Andrew Jackson's hermitage, which is, you know, he, he was, I think the seventh president and did some real bad things like, Oh, I don't know. Um, rounded up the indigenous people of the U.S. and created the Trail of Tears uh, by moving indigenous people to Arkansas and Oklahoma and other parts. Um, but, uh, the, and and also, you know, had, um, uh, I don't know, I think it was like 90 slaves that worked on his plantation and became extremely rich. Um, it, so we we visited that, that home um, as well. And really like to engage in some of these conversations with our kids, because we don't like, I don't know, it's, I feel like it's important to, you know, that this was a presidential home and where he's buried, but also like we need to tackle some of these like historic issues, right. You know, right. Straight on. And so being like, here's a house where, um, you know, and a house in Richard uh, Fingers where many slaves lived and they lived here because they were not free people and they worked on this plantation and made him a really, really rich individual. Um, and, and anyway, but the reason why I'm going telling talking about this is both at Graceland and at Andrew Jackson's house, there was a smoke house. <laughs> 
and there wherever I go, I try to find food safety things, and they would, um, you know, uh, smoke hams and other pork products uh, and let them hang there. And I like to take pictures of smokehouses when I go to historic places. Like this is. Um, I don't know, four or five times in the last couple of years when we've gone on vacation, I've stumbled across upon a historic smokehouse and I like to put those on my Instagram um, uh, pages. Uh, and, and so anyway, I was, I was not expected to see a smokehouse at Graceland, but there was, and Elvis did not use it as a smokehouse. He used it as a, um, a, a gun range uh, because that's, Kind of what you would expect maybe Elvis to do was, um, you know, shoot some guns in his backyard and put up uh, targets uh, where in, in the place of the smokehouse, thinking this would be a great place for bullets to hit because it was thick walls of, of you know, granite and brick. So, um, yeah. So that was my like food safety aspect of my um, of my trip. But you mentioned that you're currently wearing our Cotton Bureau, um, you know, get them, get them while they're hot, get them while they before while they last. Uh, t-shirt. I wore my "It's Complicated and It Depends" shirt and my "Risky or Not" shirt um, uh, while I biked a bunch. Really, really hoping, Don, that someone would recognize it. And no one did, but that was like, they're very comfortable shirts, but, and they're like perfect for biking. Cause they're like a little bit long. And when I'm like hunched over on my bike, I don't want my whole like back to be exposed. So I, I really like that. They're like the perfect kind of shirt for, for biking, but no one, no one recognized me or the shirt. So I guess we're not that famous in Bentonville yet. My son reported that uh, when he was in Philadelphia, he saw somebody wearing a Daring Fireball T-shirt, and I asked if it was John Gruber, and he said no, he didn't think he didn't know what John looked like, but he's pretty sure it wasn't John. So, um, so just just for show notes, can you clarify, um, Andrew Johnson or Andrew Jackson? I'm pretty sure it was Andrew Jackson. I think okay. Andrew Johnson. I believe he was also not great. Um, oh nice. wait, hang on. No. no uh, yeah, yeah, Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson's okay. um, old uh, Hermitage, Old Hickory, uh, which uh, exists. I remember I turned on Old Hickory Road. Yes, I will send you the show notes uh, or the link for that. I've got it. The, the Hermitage. Yep. Yeah, the Hermitage. So, so just to close a couple of loops. Um, so, Graceland, the home of Elvis Presley, is not the same thing as Graceland, the album by Paul Simon. <sighs> And I'm not sure. I've been trying to figure out why the song, why the album is called Graceland, and I, I can't figure it out. Well, there's a song. Sh- I mean, I mean, because there's a song called Graceland. Okay. And it's is that song about Elvis Presley? Well, no, it's about so. Um, it's about traveling to Graceland with uh, with his kid. Um, okay. And and it's a it, the. So and I think and uh, you know someone someone in uh, listener land is probably yelling at us right now. I think that um, to Paul Simon um, was either married to or had a child with Carrie Fisher. Yeah, and this that was and I'm just from the Wikipedia. The this album came after his marriage had with Carrie had collapsed. Yeah, and and so she. Um, here are the songs that here I've just found a great great article on Mashable. Here are the songs Paul Simon wrote about Carrie Fisher. Um, so uh, he wrote. Well, I don't know. It's a thing that I'm gonna have to click through. It's a video, but there are apparently many. Hearts and yeah. Bones, um, Graceland. Um, uh, did he? Uh, she moves on from Rhythm of the Saints. 
Uh, so um, I, I, I think that it was about um, her. Anyway, I, how great would it be to be Carrie Fisher to be so three, three, three Carrie Fisher um, things. Carrie Fisher, first of all, was like awesome. Did uh, she uh, had well? If you're not familiar, she was Princess Leia in the Star Wars. Um, what's what if it's nine? I know what a trilogy is. I don't know. Is it a nonology? Is that right? Did I just make that? Yeah. Up? Well, she was in a lot of the Star Wars. Yeah. She was she was in at least at least six of them, five of them. Um, uh, anyway, she um, also uh, had an I think it was an HBO one you know one one woman show that that I saw on HBO that was amazing. Um, did you ever watch that? Let's see if I can find it. She wrote a a book called R- Wishful Drinking, and I think this was. Um, also based about her like the that the 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 show was just like her on stage was based on that the memoir of that and she anyway how great would it be to be like the the muse for all of these songs and to be princess leia and to be just badass you know carrie fisher yeah she was in something that we were watching some television show that she was what we were watching um oh uh catastrophe yes Oh yeah, did you, did you see yes. Catastrophe? Yeah, great yeah. show, great show. Yeah, yeah. So we, we saw her in that, and she was she was fantastic. So, but just to to cl- completely close the vacation slash presidents loop, um, the latest episode. So you're you're talking about uh, Inst- Instacart, Instapaper, yeah, all the um, Instagram, <laughs> Insta's all the way down. Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> um, reminded me of uh, this latest episode of Reconcilable Differences. Um, entitled A Pile of Bed, but it is actually, you have to listen, you have to buy the premium episode because John's vacation to the North Fork of Long Island is in the bonus content, um, but it's, he talks about taking pictures. It's, it's great. I mean, the whole, like, listen to the, listen to the episode. Um, it's a good episode, but then uh, get uh, extra content and listen to the after show extra content. Um, but then speaking of podcasts um, and presidents, I am really. This has become my new my new favorite podcast, um, uh, which is entitled "Hell of Presidents." Have we talked about this? No. Have I mentioned this to you. So this is. I had to join Stitcher Premium, which I'm still really not happy about, and and it doesn't play nice with other podcast apps. But you can create a custom RSS feed uh, to get it into your um, Overcast or what have you. But so this is a. It's a new podcast from um, uh, Matt Chrisman and Chris Wade. Uh, Matt is a, one of the principals on Chapo Trap House and Chris Wade is the producer on Chapo. Um, and he is, uh, has producer credit on this and he's also a talent. And it's, it's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a very you know, lefty uh, take as, as are Matt's takes on the American presidents. And it's really, it's just, it's, I, I, I am really enjoying it. I never really liked history all that much as a kid. If I had had Matt Christman as a professor or as a teacher for history, I think I would have liked it a lot more. Very insightful and just a sort of a leisurely stroll. Each episode they deal with like three or four presidents. And it's just, it's really, it's really good. 
um, uh, just highly recommend it, even if you have to get it on uh, Stitcher Premium. Oh, man. So. I don't know if I want to jump into Stitcher Premium, so I'll give another option for presidential uh, <laughs> uh, podcast and one that we listened to um, as we drove to um, Andrew Jackson's house. Um, and so there's a, a, a podcast I wasn't I didn't know about, but it's actually called Presidential. It's by The Washington Post. And it's a series that is, um, you know, has uh, an episode on each and every president. They're 40 minutes long. It was really useful. Like, this is one thing that didn't exist when, you know, at all when I was obviously this is so trite to say this. But like, if my parents listen to podcasts and we're going on a road trip and we listen about the place that we were going to, like we we now are actively trying to find podcasts as we drive places so we can listen to, you know, what we're go- going to experience or are experiencing. And so it was cool to be like, hey, we're driving from our Airbnb here in Nashville out to this um you know, to to this uh, 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 plant, old plantation, and let's listen to this podcast so we know what we're going, to, we're getting into, and uh, it was it, it was pretty it was pretty cool. So um, yeah, we we enjoyed um, check out uh, Andrew Jackson, the violence, the fight, uh, and uh, turns out um, not a you know not not a great not a great dude. I and and so so I, I want to be you know be clear on, on how, what we were doing. Definitely not. We were, we, we were not going to his house to celebrate his legacy. (laughs) There were individuals who were there to celebrate his legacy and policies, um, 130 or no, like 60 plus years later, which was extremely problematic. Uh, but, but that was not, uh, not why we were there. We were there to, to make sure that many of his policies, um, uh, do, do not come, come back. To fruition. Yeah, so so Andrew Jackson is covered on episode three um, of uh, of uh, Hell of Presidents, uh, uh, where they cover also cover Martin Van Buren, and the title uh, or the the caption for the episode is "A Dutch Guy Invents the Democrats." That would be Van Buren, not Jackson. Um, and also the title is "The Little Magician," which I think also refers to Van Buren and not uh, not Jackson. So, um, oh, and then I will say too, just again, close one more loop here. Um, I found out about the Fenian raids by listening to Hell of Presidents. Oh, um, awesome! And that's why I texted you guys about that. So yeah, uh, and the Fenian raids. Uh, what? St- what? Like uh, state-sponsored raids to contribute? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the the Fenian raids were carried out by the Fenian Brotherhood, which is an Irish Republican organization based in the United States. And and basically, and it was on British forts and, yes. and other targets in Canada. And the basic idea, at least as was explained to me by Matt Chrisman, I will not hear uh, any, any other version, is that these guys basically decided to go to Canada to basically capture it so they could trade it for um ireland (laughs) yes 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 and and part of so this is the i I think the fun part 
history is it's all revisionist history right as 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 we see so one of the things that i remember learning about in um either 7th or 8th grade history was that and it kind of appears here in the wikipedia page for the fenian raids so we you know these are one of the i i'll tell you the context where um I, I learned about this. We we would often be responsible for memorizing sort of the timeline of the birth of Canada. And, and not often. Like, that was part of the curriculum. And it wasn't like we had to. But but this was one of the. I, I, I clearly remember making a timeline that I submitted for grading to my teacher that, that included things like the Northwest rebellions and the rebellions of upper Canada, where there was sort of internal strife towards, um, the, the government, not, not unlike what led to the American revolution. Um, because at the time that these happened, Canada was no, was not yet a dominion. Um, and, and I remember the Fenian raids. We, we, we certainly discussed it, but in the Wikipedia page, um, it, you know, the third paragraph, well, authorities in the United States, the United States arrested the men and confiscated the arms of the Fenian Brotherhood. There was speculation that some in the United States government had ignored the preparations undertaken by the Fenians over anger, over actions that could have been construed as British assistance to the Confederate States during the American Civil War. And so one of the things that you know, I, I shouldn't say we were taught, but I definitely remember learning about was that, that this was a, a, um, a, a quietly sponsored U.S. Um, uh, raid. And, and that, you know, um, uh, sort of post the War of 1812, there's, there was a lot of bad blood. Um, and again, it, actually, um, at Andrew Jackson's Hermitage, uh, we learned a lot about how uh, the Battle of New Orleans and the War of 1812 was this this whole like, this is where the U.S. won the war. And I know you and I have talked about this, where in Canada, we're kind of like, hey, Canada won the war because America invaded us and we we didn't get invaded. So and then we burned the White House down um, that like this. This was one of those like piece nuggets of history that I remember from eighth grade was like, Oh, war of 1812, um, you know, civil, civil war assistance by Britain and the, um, the Fenian raids all kind of like linked together of just bad blood between Canada and the U S. So that was the, that, that was like my context for, for remembering it. Well, the only I can't re- so the so there was and again I, I I wish their show notes were better on hella presidents but one of the presidents when he was a lawyer in Buffalo I think he defended one of the people accused in the Fenian raids and I cannot for the life of me figure out which president it was um, but it was probably uh, based on the timeline it was probably well I don't know yeah I, I don't know anyway so. Uh, anyway, I, I, I should have done my homework. No, you, no, you're good. So, um, close the loop on this. Uh, welcome to, um, Canadian history safety talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, the, uh, one of the raids that came close, like not really close to where I grew up, but in Ontario, um, was, uh, the battle of Ridgeway. 
And at the Battle of Ridgeway, uh, I'll read again from Wikipedia where everything is true. A single company of the Queen's Own Rifles of Toronto had been armed the day before on their ferry crossing from Toronto with state-of-the-art seven-shot Spencer repeating rifles, but had not had an opportunity to practice with with them and were issued only 28 rounds per man. The Finians were mostly battle-hardened American Civil War veterans armed armed with weapons procured from leftover war supplies. Um, anyway, the Queen's Own Rifles of, of Canada, which was of Toronto, but is now of Canada, was the, um, the, uh, regiment that, uh, my, my grandfather, uh, served in and was, uh, um, I think we do. I think we talked about it on this show that, yeah. uh, yeah, when I, I went to, uh, France, when I got stuck on my way to Russia a few yeah. years ago, I went yeah. and, and, uh, so, so every time I see Queen's Own Rifles, I think about, I, there's a small, small connection, both my great grandfather and my grandfather and a, and a grand, um, great uncle, I guess, uh, were all in that, in that regiment. Not, not at the time of the Finian raids. Cause I'm not 170 years old. Uh, but but yes, uh, in in uh, further uh, iterations of it. So, so, so Grover Grover Cleveland, um, <clears throat> as a lawyer, uh, Cleveland became known for his single-minded concentration and dedication to work. In 1866, he successfully defended some participants in the Finian raid, working on a pro bono basis. Hmm. So there you go, President Grover Cleveland. There you go. See, getting. Uh, uh, w- w- sympathetic to uh, anti-Canadian sentiment. That's what I. That's what I heard. You know what else is interesting about Grover Cleveland? No, good. Go ahead and tell me. He served as the twenty-second and twenty-fourth president. Oh. He had a gap year. <laughs> he, a gap for a year. Did he go to Europe for the gap year? I'm. What? What? Uh, I guess he got uh, voted out of office and then came back into office. Is that the situation? I hope you said something funny. I, my headphones fell off. Oh, I don't think I said anything funny. I just said, did he did he get voted out of office and then came back into office? This will show yeah, my... Yeah, he yeah. won the popular vote uh, in three presidential elections. Oh. Uh, but uh, but he only he only got elected in, in two. Oh, well, there, there you go. He was born in Caldwell, New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> thank you. Thank okay. you again, Wikipedia. Uh all right. Well, uh, we start the show? yeah, let's talk about other, other things. Um, uh, what I, it's Dawn. Um, so this, the only thing I've watched in the last two weeks are the Olympics. Um, so I, I don't have, there's no updates oh, on any oh, British more, more, shows. More, John, more John Syracuse, a follow up. So John mentions in the, that episode of rec diffs, <clears throat> an app called tracked, um, which is spelled T R A K T. And I have downloaded and started using this app because I really need a way to track what television shows I'm watching. Oh. And so far, this seems really good. Huh. So, All right. Anyway. I like tracked. it. You can find it on the internet at tracked.tv. Don't don't spell it like the way I thought you spelled it. Yeah. You can spell it T-R-A-K-T. I learned about something from Merlin called Just Watch, which also... It seems like it's maybe companion That's to this. I don't think it does the same thing. It tells you, it, it, I think you can track, but I've never used it for that. It's, oh, I just heard about something. Do I subscribe to the streaming service that I can oh, yes. get this at? Yes. Yes. Um, which I also like, well, there are multiple uses a week in that. Um, and, and instead of what I've found my workflow for figuring out stuff to watch now, instead of us just like cycling through, <clears throat> what to watch on Netflix. 
I am trying to add stuff into my lists, like, you know, my what's up next list based on I heard something, go to Just Watch, um, can I find it? Okay, yes, go to Netflix, add it. So um, maybe Tracked will help su- like help supplement that as well. Yeah, the main thing is we just like get distracted and we stop watching something and we forget to go back. So. Yep. Yeah. I also do the same. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So did, I, I'm sure Kristen watched a lot of Olympics. Did, she did. Did you watch? What, were, were, you, were you present while the Olympics were, were on? Yeah, I watched. I watched some. The, the most recent thing that I watched, which I, I really enjoyed, was the end of the men's marathon. Right, and it was a it was a blowout. The Kenyan Kenyan won with like just seemed like miles to spare. He was well ahead of the others, but it was a it was a it was a three way race for second and third, and and that's that's brutal because you know two of them are getting medals and one of them's not. But uh, but yeah, it was that was that was fun. We I, we enjoyed watching that. That was the last thing I watched. Yeah, Kristen was very angry about the second week because uh, it, it just was impossible to watch things, or and things were out of order. Like they, she did the, the first week was much better. The second week was a was a hot mess. Can I? So, so here is my trick, and um, uh, I we use uh, a VPN and got the Canadian feeds for everything. And the coverage on CBC, people did complain about that. And this is, I mean, this is because I'm Canadian and I mm-hmm. want to know about like the, my, my home, my home stuff. Uh, and also like with my parents, cause they're very much in the Olympics. I wanted to make sure that we're, you know, learning about stuff at the same time. So our text, you know, conversations would, would align and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we, we, so I, I used the VPN and then, um, CBC put like hours and hours and hours of coverage out on online. And then they, they did a really good job of, I mean, probably 18 hours a day. They had some live coverage happening and they would, but everything else, every other event, you could go on their app and see, is this live? Is it taped? If it was live, you know, they, they, it's the Canadian driven feed. So they would kind of say, yeah, there's a Canadian involved. So go watch this. Um, and so the the best thing that I watched, Danny and I learned about indoor sprint cycling and oh, pursuit yes. cycling at the velodrome. And man, the women's final, um, you know, there were there were four. I, I didn't I didn't like you know I can't remember the rules or pay attention to previous years, but there were four. There are four races, and every race provides different levels of points. And one of them is every lap, the last person gets eliminated, which I think is an awesome, like, that's a great race. But then there's, um, you know, uh, the first place person gets so many points. Then, you know, there's a couple other rules. But there were crashes and so much, like, it was very, like, I watched, like, 20 out of the 40 competitors fall in the massive crash. And people get run over by other bikes, like, straight over their ribs. Like, it looked terrible it looked like they yeah yeah. and then they would get up and 20 minutes later they're doing another race that was 30 laps of this velodrome um so i I love absolutely loved watching cycling uh that that was my favorite uh and also the canadian women's soccer team beat the u.s uh in the semifinals and then won gold against sweden so that was awesome that was our first canada's first team gold 
um, win at the Olympics ever, which is kind of cool. So we've never won teams. We we've won lots of individual ones, but uh, but yeah, we're one of the smaller countries. So when we get good things happen, it's kind of fun. Yeah, so I <clears throat> I retweeted uh, a, a very funny tweet uh, by Dave Turner, uh, who, who, who writes, a lot of track cycling events seem to be answering the question, quote, how can we race bikes but also make it weird? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, cool. All right, well, let's move into food safety things. So we can tell people that uh, it was minute uh, 47 that we actually started this. Uh <laughs> We have like a ton of follow follow up and and feedback that we need to talk about. Yes. Um, so we should we should focus on that. Agreed. Um, let's start with. I'm not going to do this in order. Well, maybe we will. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, the. Uh, this one is, I don't know. Where do you want to, where do you want to start? One of these feedback. Yeah. One of these feedbacks, uh, is, is really like a riskier, not follow up. Well, they, I mean, they all are. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, so let's go, let's go through this one. It's about sous vide steak. Um, and so we, um, we talked a little bit about stinky sous vide and we've talked about sous vide steak, but here's one that, that comes to us um, from a listener to the show um, who we'll call deep sous vide because uh, this individual didn't tell us we could use their name or not. So um, individual writes, I have a sous vide. I have a sous vide and I really enjoy the results I get to keep my meat tender and moist. I prefer rare steak also. Um, but also want to get want to avoid getting sick. I've read some guides like this one for, by Kenji at Serious Eats um, uh, that includes um, you know rare sous vide steak, 120 degrees Fahrenheit for two and a half hours, and they're seared all seared all sides, risky or not. Um, and then I think we like I don't think we did an episode on this right, but then right. you and and, uh, and this individual went back and forth on it. So do you want to? Want to sort of share a little bit about what you what you talked about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So the 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 uh, Serious Eats page recommends temperatures below one thirty for rare, medium rare, as long as you don't go over two point five hours. Um, and so basically, what it <clears throat> so the the riskier not question is rare sous vide steak. 120 degrees Fahrenheit for 2.5 hours, then seared on all sides. And I would say, um, you know, and th- this person asked me a, a bunch of questions. So, you know, first about penetration, and then again, you know, that means you have to say whether there's it's blade or needle tenderized. Um, I, I like to kind of default back to USDA FSIS Appendix A, right? Uh, which basically says that if you heat it at 130 for 86 minutes, you get a five log reduction, right? Um, and so I, I, I'm going to say I don't recommend going below 130, right? And so the, the key question is how much are pathogens going to grow in that in that time yeah. frame? And I did I did find a really interesting article. Uh, entitled Maximum Growth Temperatures of Foodborne Pathogens and Appropriate Hot Holding Temperatures, okay? Um, And this is from, uh, this is written by uh, John Andrew Hudson, 
uh, and also a friend of the show, uh, Roger Cook, um, and also Lisa Olson. And this is a an article from the uh, prepared this is a, a technical paper prepared by the Ministry for Primary Industries of New Zealand, and. Basically, you can go into this article and, and find the maximum growth temperature for pathogens. And, and, and there, and I can't do the math in my head, uh, but, but 120 is uh, pretty. And, and then it depends, too, like, like how, uh, like there's uncertainty in the numbers and there's uncertainty in the, the holding temperature. And so I, I, I'm, just, I'm just reluctant to go below about 130. So, uh, and what happens if we convert... 120 F2C. Um, it's about 48 degrees C or 49 degrees C, which is 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 below the upper limit for growth. And yeah. so I I'm really reluctant to recommend temperatures below about uh, 120. Maybe this is you know we'll cut all this out and put it into a, a risky or not. No, no, I think it's fine because I do want to talk about this one. Okay, like a, a little bit. So I'm interested to hear more about. Well, here, here it is, a teaser. If you don't listen to Risky or Not, these are the types of things we do on Risky or Not, but we're going to do it here. There you go. Um, and we might do it there, too. Yeah, we might do it there, too. Um, but, like, are, are you worried in a suit? So, are you? I'm not worried. I actually think that 120... What? what okay, if I put something into... In, into um, into uh, a sous vide, reduce oxygen package, vacuum package environment. I'm worried about a couple of things, right? I'm worried about um, Clostridium botulinum, Clostridium perfringens, and maybe Listeria monocytogenes, okay? Are, are, we, are you aligned with me on that? You, you're with me? Say, say that one more time. Uh, modified atmosphere. Yeah. Modified, yeah, so I'm I, like, the, I think the question what that um the, the the this is all about under vacuum right so we're in a reduced oxygen environment so it's anaerobic so well, okay but but there are vegetative organisms right but but grow, yes right? yeah, yeah yeah but but let me let me yes 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 but let's if it wasn't vegetative organisms right if i was just making a steak and I held it at 120 degrees Fahrenheit for two and a half hours, right? There, I'm going to get some growth of that ve of the vegetative microbes. Certainly, mm -hmm. there is a lot of competing vegetative microbes as well that are going to grow. And at the end of that two and a half hours, I'm going to sear it to so so the question so you know your your report about vegetative, you're worried about any vegetative microorganism that could also create a heat stable toxin that would not be impacted by the sear is that is that correct yeah i yeah i, I well or would be if if it's internalized right if the organism okay. is internalized and then it's not going to the, the sear is not going to affect it yep yep right? yep um, and so, and if, and so then if it, if it grew in the interior, that would also be a concern. And, and is, so I, the way that I, the two and a half, and so I think there would be growth, right? Let's like, based okay. on, based on what, um, you know, what's in the paper, but, but I wonder if it would be growth enough to increase the risk if it was already there, then if I didn't cook it sous vide and I just seared it. And and the reason why I'm so interested in this one is I, I this is the target temperature that I cook ribeye on my grill, 120, seared on all sides, and I do um, I think we talked a little bit about this or maybe it was another pocket someone talked about 
maybe it was Merlin that talked about searing stuff on all sides on something I listened to recently. But I, I do sear, like I don't just sear the top and bottom of my steak. I sear the edges as well. Um, mm-hmm. And Oh, I think it was Merlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was now, see, now all of a sudden you, me, and Merlin, we're all confused. We're all talking about this stuff together. Uh, so, but but I would cook, you know, the, the, if I wasn't doing this sous vide and it was just rare, 120, I think that the risk is it's there would be growth. It's more risky, but I don't think it's enough to make it so I wouldn't eat it. Like, yeah, like, so I'm just I'm running. I'm doing a com base prediction. Thank you. OK, where I start at five, and I'm going to go 48. OK, yep. yep. Um, which is which is just a tad below. I can do 49 as well. But so basically within an hour and three quarters. OK, you're up to a one log increase. Okay, and I, if you hold it for three hours, you're up to a three log increase, and huh. so that's, you know, that's not uh, insignificant. That's not. You're right. You're right. That's not insignificant. And in, so the and this the but you're like so don't do this with mechanically tenderized meats, right? Like right. That that would be the first the first piece here. Um, how I mean. How, how worried are you that there's staff that's somehow internalized in, in a steak? Do you think not that's really. not right? Right. Right. Like I'm not really worried about it. So, so let's go down the, the, like, let's go to the spore formers. Right. So now let's put it into vacuum two and a half hours. We, we got to make an assumption that they're starting as spores. There's going to be a lag. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's super risky. I don't think we're going to yeah, get a bite. Yeah, because the time. It's yeah, time. it's the time. Like, yeah. Like, what if what if I put it at incubation temperature for two hours? Right, right. right. I'm not worried about that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, I withdraw my my vote. Um, oh, my gosh, I did it. I feel like I, I've accomplished some. We, and yeah, this no, is it. Good, Welcome good, to the last yeah, episode no, of Risky or Not. Time is short, right? <laughs> and there's a lot. Like I, I yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I got, yeah, I, I guess I kind of got well, over my skis on that. No, no, but you're. I think you're good because I think this is part of what Laura's, ah, part of what um, deep sous vide's question is is all about here, because um, they go on to ask about, well, what is it about the danger zone, right? 140, 130. Why, why does USDA look at at different things? 135. And and I, it's it's all time and temperature, right? If if we were looking at a sous vide cook of twelve and a half hours versus two hours, I I think that now we're in a risky situation. Now it's a problem. If we're looking at four hours, if we're looking at five hours, we're getting closer to a problem. But but it's not that different from a roast beef situation to me. In this, to it's short short amount of time, lower temperatures than ideal. Is Ill within the danger zone, um, but I think that the time is on our side for this. But it's not, and this is where we do get to dither. This is not equal risk, right? There is some growth potential here. I think this the sear is going to take care of most of that risk. But it's but they're but certainly internalized two and a half hours at one twenty could could be a. Could, could get us more pathogens if it's internalized. I wouldn't do it with with mechanically tenderized. All the more need to know whether it's mechanically tenderized or not. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good, 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 good. Um. Okay, so let's move on to um. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm going to totally not do this correctly because I, I know what this says, um, but it's awesome. So here's some follow-up uh, that, that comes to us <laughs> from John Chigi. Chigi. <laughs> he writes... And he says, share all details freely because this is important. It's a part of it, right? Um, Thank you for the kind words in episode 236 about my podcast, Causality. For what it's worth, it is pronounced Causality. Causality. (laughs) I can't do it. Causality. Sometimes it's confused with Causality. (laughs) Did I say that even right? But I realize it can be a tongue twister. Don, I can't. Can, when it's sometimes it's produced with it's, sometimes it's confused with casualty, <laughs> causality, casualty, Ca- causality, because causality. But I, even when someone as gracious as John spells it out in phonetics, I can't do it. I don't know what this means. I it's like. I've been uh, one thing that I did. Oh, Don, Don, one thing I did watch that I think you should watch is on Hulu. Um, and it's called, um, is it called Casualty? No, it's not called Casualty. I think it's called McCartney 123 or McCartney, McCartney 321. It is, um, uh, Rick Rubin, the producer, uh, who's talking to Paul McCartney about oh, yeah. pa- Paul McCartney songs, largely Beatles songs, but also wing songs and Paul McCartney oh, solo songs. I've heard about this. It's, yeah. bu- it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Uh, mo- most of the show is <laughs> it, like, it, I wish you could see me because I will demonstrate it. It's Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney listening to the original mastered recordings, um, at, with on, um, using the um, the soundboard to like isolate different tracks and then nodding their heads as they nod along to the bass or the drums or whatever. Anyway, it's it's wonderful. It's beautiful. But during that, um, uh, uh, and I think I watched something with um, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters recently where both of them said that they can't read music. This is me. I can't read phonetics. I don't know what this says. I'm sorry, John, for uh, yet again, um, butchering causality or you got it. You yeah. Got it. Causality or causality, causality, causality. Anyway, um, John writes, I also covered Flint, Michigan episode 11 a while back. Cause this is in, re- in recognition to, um, uh, or call back to what I talked about, um, um, li- listening to this episode uh, about Walkerton. And I think you told me about it because someone told you about it. Is that yep. how we got yep. to it? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, uh, uh, John covered Flint episode 11 a while back as an electrical and control systems engineer, spent many years working on control systems in water and wastewater treatment facilities. So it's sub- a subject I know well and passionate about. So anyway, thanks to John for following up with us. And I will te- check out again, casualty. Cause causality, 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 causality. So wait, it's the way it's said. Yes. Yeah. So we'll link to episode 11, Flint, Michigan. Another one that I, I don't know, this will date me. Um, I remember where I was when I heard about this and that is the, uh, Bhopal accident in India. Um, I was a graduate student at UGA and I was in uh, Griffin, Georgia doing my master's research and it came on the news and it was all we talked about that day. Yeah, so. so. Huh. Interesting. Well, anyway, thanks to John for following up and 
Um, it's a the Watkinson episode was just was was really really great, and I'll check out Flint, Michigan. Um, Don, uh, going in order because this is the best way to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don, we received something oh, again. You know, we're gonna break all of our own rules. So this one says this came to our website. Don't reveal my name or message content on the air. Right. We're. I'm not gonna re- re- reveal the name to protect the innocent, but I will reveal the message content because I think it's something important for us to talk about. Yeah. Um, Hi, I was wondering if I could write an article for you. The topic I'm thinking of is handling late customer payments. More specifically, how to handle late payments without damaging customer relationships. If I write up an article on this topic, um, about 500 words, free of charge, will you post it on your site? I'll be sure to link back to your site within the piece itself. Please let me know your thoughts when time allows. Signed, person who said not to reveal their message or content. So I'm confused by this. Mm-hmm. If, <laughs> I'm confused. I think there's at least three of us that are confused, and one of us wrote us the message. Yeah, I'm confused, and I'm really confused about the logistics of this. So let's not yeah. let's let's get past the fact that <laughs> that we don't have a website with um, with articles. Um, right. Let's right. get past the podcast. The, right? Let's get past step number one. It's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Also, let's get past the pause. The pause <laughs> because, and let me highlight: for the first forty-seven minutes, we clearly did not talk at all about food safety. So. I get that maybe. Well, but to be fair, if we ever talked about how to handle late payments, <laughs> I don't think so. But I'm not really so. good out. We may have talked about <laughs> how to handle late customer <laughs> payments in a fever dream that you and I both had. Um, so, so let's 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 get past that. But Don, if we if we were to post this article on our site. <laughs> How would then this person then link back to our site with this is like it's like placing two mirrors in front of each other, right? Like it, the the article is linked to the article that exists in the article on our site, right? Like it's just articles all the way down. It's articles all the way down. I so it, it's about I am. So I, I know. Um, well, here's the I, thing: if if we were going to post this article on the site, yeah, we would be the only ones that could link it right. to the site because we would be the only ones that know what the URL is on the site. So wouldn't this person have to say like provide a spot in the article for post link back to site here? Fill in, please, webmaster, and then we would have to do it. Like is that, that's that's how I read the logistics happening. Maybe I don't understand the workflow here, but you I just think, don't understand the internet, man. I don't. You got a link to stuff. You got a link. I'll be sure to link back to your site within the piece yeah, it's itself. A series of tubes. It's not a dump truck. It's not a dump truck. It's links. There are links all the way down. Oh man. So. Um, you have you I, I've I've really stopped watching the John Oliver show John this last week tonight this yeah. week this week tomorrow whatever it is um, mainly because one of the things that I loved about the John Oliver show was the audience because he played very well with the audience not mm-hmm. that they were ever on camera but it, it is a little stifling I also stopped watching the Daily Show for the same reason I I miss that like there's something that is missing but this seems like something that John Oliver would do is he would have taken this article free of charge and and yeah. placed it on his website yeah, exactly. to see what this means. Like maybe we should respond to uh, name redacted um, about 
um, their website, redactedredacted.net, um, <laughs> and and say, oh, gosh, we've been looking for help with uh, you know just helping our readers of our website um, figure out what to do with handling late customer payments. We would really appreciate your article on this topic. Um, th- please confirm that it's free of charge, and and then and then get them to to write it and then see where, what it is and then try to like go back and forth to see how they would post it on our site. And then what the link back is like almost to be like, Oh, we, we have posted on our site. We don't see where you've linked our, back to our site though. <laughs> Maybe it's not worth our time. Maybe just talking about it is enough to end the joke, but gosh, I, well, you know, I, I feel like we should put them in touch with another person who has emailed us at our other website. Um, and so this this person writes, this is a question for the show, for the Risky or Not show. Um, okay? Um, so this is a question for the show. Okay? Yes. Hello. How are you? That's the question for the show because there's no other questions in the message. Are you I'll fine? Go on to, I'll go on to read the rest of the message. I hope you're fine. Yes. I've been checking your website quite often. I see that the main keywords are still not in the top 10 positions oh, in no. Google search. You know things about working. I mean, the procedure of working has changed a lot. Do we so do like that? Are we doing a podcast on both working and getting late payments from customers that we don't know about? Yes. yes. Uh, there's no wonder that it is possible now, cause. I have found out that there are a few things that need to be done for better performances. Some of them we will discuss in this email. Let me tell you some of them. Title tag optimization, meta tag optimization, heading tag optimization, targeted keywords are not placed into tags, alt image tags optimization, Google structure data is missing, custom 404 page is missing. I would like to have a custom 404 page. Yeah. Well, thank Um, you. Thank you for your um, interest in our working slash late customer payment website um you you've seen to have followed followed an old or unworking link i think that's the custom 404 page we need to make (laughs) (sighs) so there are lots pending you can see these are the things that need to be done properly to make the keywords others to get to the top 10 spot in google search and your sales increase you know ben that's one one problem we've been having with this podcast yeah i think we need to increase our sales sales increase with a capital like it's not it's a it's it's important because it's capitalized yeah um, and, and then he concludes with, if you do not wish to receive this again, please reply with unsubscribe in the subject line. And I will say this individual has been very uh, persistent and has repeatedly emailed me. Have you um, replied with unsubscribe in the I subject have, line? I have not. I have not. I return null um, because that's the best thing to do in situation. I would And I would block them if I could. But the problem is that they're emailing us from the site. So. Oh. Anyway, so I just I just thought, uh, you know, I mean, in case you wanted to get in the top 10 positions in Google search, I, you know, I think, honestly, if you if you type in food safety talk or you type risky or not, we are on the first page at Google. So, yeah, at least when I do it, we're, we're Don, I, we're going to need some off page SEO work. So <laughs> that, that's coming. That's coming next. That's, you know, in our in our next uh, strategic planning meeting. For uh, the podcast, we should really talk about that. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, thank you, thank you very much uh, for that. Um, so late payments uh, hail, uh, handled. Um, okay, so um, 
here's here's a question that, and I, I I like this one because it is a better um the uh question for another great question for food safety talk probably not risky or not uh, but this comes to us from someone who um who who also said uh who who is a similar same person who we've talked about earlier who said don't share who I am but or didn't explicitly say that but here's the question it starts with, sorry for the long message. So I'm 99% sure you're going to say not risky. I like when people are trolling us with this, right? But maybe it's a better discussion for food safety talk, and I think we agree. Uh, so suppose a product has been recalled for undeclared allergens, and suppose this is due to cross-contamination. I think it usually is. In my admittedly limited experience, this lack of allergen control is often at factories where there's also poor sanitation, general lack of process control, GMP violations, etc. And if there is not at least a sanitation line clearance issue for that particular batch or shift, so not a, a clean break of uh, moving from uh, one allergen to no allergens or or. Um, eliminating that cross-contact is what what this person's suggesting. So even if you aren't allergic to any food, there would presumably be somewhat more risk, different show, maybe actually better for food safety talk, or additional food safety issues on that batch or that product overall than products without undeclared allergens. So eating an allergen can recall a product if you're not allergic, risky or not. And so, uh, you know, there, um, this person goes on to say, I know it depends on the product. Um, it, uh, it came to mind regarding a recent Wilton sprinkle recall. Um, I guess you can go uh, with that. Oh, yep. Is that good? Did I, did yeah, I, that's fine. Yep. Um, yes. Uh, and, and so, uh, other things redacted, uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I guess it's not cross-contamination, just knowing that an ingredient used requires allergen labeling, there's a bigger issue not knowing what an allergen is and you should make you even more nervous about familiarity with food safety principles in in general. So um, let's start there. There's another concern that that this individual has, but I think it's a little separate um, from from this one. So, So you know what? What are your thoughts on on this message about undeclared allergens um, and uh, recalls for it? Uh, and what what should someone? Because the, you know, I, I think this person brings up a really big. It's a it's a great question, and there are a lot of recalls for undeclared allergens. So where do you where do you start? Because I got some. I definitely have some thoughts, and I want to see if you and I are on the same page on this. Yeah. Well, so. So I responded to this this listener um, already, and and certainly like the Wilton sprinkle recall, it looks like that was some issue in the plant, right? Yeah. But then I linked to another one, another recall, which is a Tulkoff Food Products uh, allergy alert on undeclared soy and wheat in kimchi aioli. I think often what happens is that the product changes, but they forget to change the label or they take the, the product and they package it into the wrong package. And we see this, uh, and if you've ever been in, a, in a, a food plant, especially somebody that does a lot of co-packing, what you'll see is that they're making all different kinds of products, right? And they're, or they're making the same product, they're putting it into different bags, um, probably not making different products and putting the same bags. That's what leads to the problems like this. And so often it's just an, an inadvertent script screw up. They change an ingredient and now they're using an ingredient that has an allergen that's not declared on the label. And so uh, now obviously 
you know, I mean, if there, there, and there are good companies out there, there are bad companies out there. There are, I think, honest mistakes or mistakes that can be understood. And then there's just like sloppiness and negligence and stuff like that. But so, uh, yeah, so it, it all depends upon the situation, right? It depends upon what is, what are the details in the recall? And often we don't know, but, but my gut feeling is that often it's just a, like a simple mistake. Somebody forgot to change over the packaging and some packages got out there that, that had the wrong thing in it. That's, that's sort of my gut feeling. Yeah, and I'll add one more. Um, we'll link to this in um, in show notes because this actually came up in like my non food safety discussions um, with a neighbor when we were at the pool this week. Um, it, there is a recall. Johnson and Johnson's recall has recalled uh, a whole bunch of sunscreen products that contain traces of benzene. So I'll add a third thing in here that it may not be so um, because uh, in this recall. Um, uh, Johnson Johnson doesn't use benzene in any of their products, although it is a, um, something that can be found in other sunscreen products that are, that are on the, um, uh, like on the market. I wonder if it's an, also an ingredient issue where they have the, you know, right. so, sometimes you can have an undeclared allergen because you've purchased an ingredient from someone that has that undeclared allergen in it. And that wasn't disclosed or they, that, that your, your supplier has, has now told you information and now you're conducting that recall. So I think there's like, you know, certainly what, um, what our listener highlights is there is a potential for cross contact and shift changes and, and, um, issues between allergens that are used, um, and, and that particular batch or log, but it also can be labeling issues and it also can be ingredient issues. Um, yep. and, and I, I think it's probably a mix of all of those. So I, I think where, the um where the our, our listener sort of wanted to ask us about is is it like really is it any riskier like can we infer that if they've had an allergen problem that there are other things at play and and I would I would say no like I I don't think that there's data really to support that overall right like that 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 drawing that line I don't I don't know if having an undeclared allergen recall is an indicator of poor sanitation or poor food safety management. In fact, it might be an indication of good food safety management because they found through their quality assurance check that the label was applied incorrectly, but not quick enough that that some of that product made it to the market. So I, I, I it's hard for me to argue that, that it is an indicator of something bad. So yeah. Yeah, I think you could you could say, well, okay, Let's look at the volume of product this plant produces, and then let's look at how many times they've had an issue. And maybe if they keep having issues, that's an indication. But it's 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 so it's it's really tricky, right? Because again, to your point, if they're maybe they're just you know it's like the old the the thing that I, I trot out every time. It's like which which states have the most foodborne disease outbreaks? Well, it's the ones with the most epidemiologists, right? Yeah, so, exactly. You know that's not and that's Art Liang. That's not me <laughs> that that I would attribute that statement to, but. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 tricky. So yeah, I, again, depending on how the question is phrased, could would you conclude that they if they have this other practices are slipshod? I would say no, you can't conclude that. You right, could right. think that, and and it might merit further investigation. But I don't yes, think you, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the um, you know something that we've talked about on this uh, podcast, but not for a while. But the idea is, you know, do I walk into a um, a restaurant and see a dirty restroom? Does that yeah, mean that exactly. you know yep. th- things are bad in the kitchen? Well, 
maybe it, it certainly means that they're not keeping up with their restrooms, but how, how close are we? Does it, you know, is, is it a factor? I don't think we have enough data to share that, but also the, the flip side, and this is what I would kind of sort of say is just because we haven't had an allergen miss, you know, a recall for undeclared allergens doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're, everybody's doing everything right either. Um, right. so right. yeah, yeah. So it's good. And I, I agree. I think that's not really a risky or not type question, but it's a good, um, good conversation for us to have here. Um, okay. So, uh, next piece of feedback, uh, uh, comes to us, uh, uh, from, uh, you know, someone will, we'll just say uh, deep, deep eggnog. Um, and this, uh, question for the show came through our website, a subject, which is great. Here's an eggnog question <laughs> message linking to listening to the Dunkaroos episode. You said you've mentioned eggnog, but haven't had an eggnog question reminded me I need to make eggnog for Christmas. I've used this Michael Ruhlman uh, recipe, uh, and we will link to this uh, uh, recipe in a second. There's a lot of uncooked egg, yolks, milk, cream, sugar, and alcohol. I like to make it four to six months ahead of time, and I've had that some aged 18 months. In a couple of links on Ruhlman's article, it mentioned that the eggnog, if it's greater than 20% alcohol, it's kept under 40 degrees, and aged 30 30 days, it is free of bacteria. Um, and so the question is if is drinking eggnog, uh, been refrigerated for six months risky or not. Um, and so, yeah, do you want to, you want to tackle, tackle this one? Yeah. So, so let's see. So, uh, um, so, so the questions, uh, why is no one concerned about the dairy in aged eggnog? And I think the answer is that since dairy ingredients are typically pasteurized, they shouldn't contain pathogens to begin with. So it's really the the eggs that are driving the risk. Okay, Um, if aged eggnog is not risky, what's the risk factor during a power outage? And I would say, well, it depends on the time and the temperature, right? Um, If the aged eggnog rises above 40 degrees Fahrenheit for any length of time, should it be tossed? And my comment here is, well, it's not like it becomes instantly unsafe at 41. And of course, the the devil's in the details with respect to formulation, et cetera. Um, I would say I'll use this as an opportunity to once again call out the, the work that we did that I was part of for the Conference for Food Protection, creating an emergency action plan for retail food establishments that basically looks at uh, time and temperature um, for uh, for uh, and how that drives that risk and that is uh, uh, and specifically I my claim to fame with that article was the the table or the chart that appears on page uh, page 17 although I'm not responsible for the color choices the color choices that that's on Jill Hollingsworth not on me <laughs> excellent excellent which I think I make that comment every time as well yes um, so. Yeah. So, oh, and then, oh, and I guess so. Part. So, sorry, I'm getting into some follow-up questions. Um, I, did, did I, I? I think I answered the follow-up questions and not the actual questions. Um, yes. Sorry about that. That's all right. So. So. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, just the again, this one's not like we we may may want to park this for like a holiday episode of of risky or not. Um, but, but it, it is like, it, it, it certainly seems that as we've, we've talked about raw eggs on their own carry, uh, risk, but it's probably minimal risk. 
then having this alcohol exposure is going to reduce that risk and especially aging at that temperature. So, but I, I, I would, I'm, I'm interested in this a little bit. Like, I wonder if the spoilage microbes that are in that dairy, even at 41 or 40 or 39 for like, what, what did, um, what did deep eggnog say? Like six months four to six months. I wonder what's happening there. Like they're probably also producing some acid. Like I would right? like, do you think that the lactic acid forming bacteria are going to be able to grow? Some of them grow under those conditions and that's actually helping the the process here. Like, I wonder what the pH is going to look like over, over time. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, and and I did, I do, I do want to say, like, I did find actually a pretty good article um, from 1990, which we will link to, published in the International Journal of Food Microbiology, uh, by Sarah Notermans and colleagues, and that the title of the article is "Survival of Pathogenic Microorganisms in an Eggnog-like Product Containing Seven Percent yes. Ethanol." And they they do a bunch of different things. It's not just seven percent ethanol, but basically they play around with like different num different organisms, different temperatures. Uh, it's a good study. I think it could be. It, it definitely opens up room for more study. Um, but but basically showing that that uh, not surprisingly. At, so, yeah, so after three weeks at 22 degrees C, which is room temperature, the number of all of the pathogens they studied decreased by more than three log. However, um, the uh, at four degrees, the decrease of pathogens was much slower, and, and you only get that three log reduction after seven weeks of incubation. Right. Yes. And so and then, of course, you can vary the ethanol content. Um, and, and so and all of that really, really comes into play. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Michael, Michael Ruhlman sort of highlights this. I'll, 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 I'll talk a little bit about uh, or not talk. I'll read from the notes. How, you know, um, how can you keep dairy and eggs in your fridge for over a year or three? The alcohol kills the bacteria that cause food to spoil, not to mention salmonella that might be in rye egg. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll give you that. It, it does kill some of them. We don't have a good sense of exactly what, and that also it might not kill all the ones and some of the back, like my, my thought is there's some bacteria that are growing in there that are actually helping with this, that are not going to you know die, that are changing the pH. This is a good thing to remember if you need to leave town and find you have a lot of dairy eggs that will go bad. Just add 20% booze by weight and it will keep. Kenji in his post above says it pasteurizes the liquid in 24 hours. But studies I read said it could take as long as 30 days to eliminate 100% of the bacteria. So from a scientific standpoint, none of that's really happening, right? It's not pasteurizing the liquid. It's not happening in 24 hours. It's not eliminating 100% of the bacteria. We never get 100% of all log reductions, yeah. Yeah, so it's like there's something here, right? Um, But but it's not quite exactly right. And and I I don't like eggnog. Is Is this the right forum to share that? Sure, you can say that. I just don't. You're allowed to not like eggnog. I I, I like the uh, we like certain eggnogs. Like there's a kind that we can get at Wegmans that's really good. That I don't know what we're going to do this year because we're not close to Wegmans anymore. But we'll have to make a special trip. I think we made a special trip this this year um, during the the cold season. Yeah, I I I like a little bit of eggnog, especially if you if you put alcohol in it. Um, but but I would never make my own. I've had homemade eggnog that's just been vile. So yeah yeah. yeah uh, I'll have a, a rum and eggnog. Uh, hold the eggnog. That's my that's my order. I'll just 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, but good. These are these are good, really good, good questions. Um, and I'll say this: this this will this pairs pairs nicely. So someone sent us a link to an article uh, from the Onion, uh, which is a, a humor uh, a humor website, and it's from uh, 2017. Uh, but the headline is report saying quote smells okay precedes 85 percent of foodborne illnesses annually <laughs> and so this is purported to be a press release from the centers for disease control uh which it's not um but i but i thought it was quite funny <laughs> love it love it love it love it um I, we have in here listeria muffins but i think we actually did this one already okay. i'm risky or not yeah yeah, we, yeah. We can and we talked about it with uh, michelle last week oh yes yep yep um Okay, so um, here we go. Let's see what else we have here. What is this one? Don, you're going to have to help me with uh, understanding um, Bristol stool scale feedback. This is a question for the show. Subject, but detailing. Message, a.k.a. bidets. (laughs) This is just references... FFST242. And uh, there is a uh, link to um, a Wikipedia article uh, that is uh, the Wikipedia uh, slash Bristol school stool scale. Um, and uh, this this is one of the one of the my. Um, oh, it won't. Why won't it open that? Oh, wrong. Hang on. Let me let me get it. One of, one of the more horrifying Wikipedia pages that exist out there. So you get to click on the Bristol school stool scale. Um, uh, on the right-hand side, there is an image that goes from severe diarrhea to severe constipation um, that, that gives, gives us very many uh, what looks like series of breakfast meats, um, <laughs> which is not – what I experience on a on a on a uh, you know a daily basis anywhere. I, there's not a lot of stuff that's happening here that looks anything like these these pictures. Just so you know, it would be difficult for me to to rate my my stool on the Bristol scale. But yeah, so I, I'm not sure why Nam de Post, who often sends us stuff, sent us this. Except that in uh, 242, we talked about invisible poop particles, and they felt it was be very important that we learn about the Bristol stool scale. Uh, which uh, you can look look at the Wikipedia article. There's pictures. Um, you can read the descriptions to <laughs> sausage shaped but lumpy, like sausage, <laughs> like a smooth soft sausage or snake. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna navigate away from that page. S- sausage so. shaped with cracks in the surface. All sausages. Anyway, the- we have we have we have, well you know it's poop. Uh, we have the be- we have the best listeners, Ben. We really do. Sausages all the way down. Um, and thank you for the for your uh, your Bristol service. Um, so yeah, thank you, uh, Nom de Post. Um, we've got uh, another one here for you. Um, uh, oh yeah, so we did that one already. Let's talk about uh, Vivian's actual question. Yes. Oh. Um. So, so this is some feedback. So we, we did a question from listener Vivian where we answered the wrong question. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, um, anyway, this, this is about drinking, um, in, uh, water from the bath. Um, and 
she said uh, her follow up was, um, "Dear Don and Ben, and of course, absolutely not dear Brian, because dear Brian is a different <laughs> that's a different host." I've been listening to, quote, my episode of your podcast and couldn't stop laughing and feeling embarrassed at the same time. (laughs) Maybe it is risky to ask questions in a language you can understand but don't speak fluently, especially when you apparently don't know how to write the words correctly. Let me assure you, I don't drink from our bathtub (laughs) and never will. I'm okay with this. I actually, didn't we kind of go with, you said not risky and I said risky in my house. So I, it's okay. Ben, Ben says, Ben in the third person says, uh, um, risky Brian host Brian says risk not risky and host Don says not risky so uh, anyway Vivian writes let me assure you I don't drink from our bathtub and I never will <laughs> what I meant was the tap in our bathroom so the faucet although I have to admit the question is so much more boring than the question that my language confusion made of it and and I think for the rest of my life I won't be able to look at bathtubs without laughing picturing you picturing me drinking from it this is our um, every time you see a water fountain moment. Fountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is it. Uh, so thank you for asking my totally messed up question. You made my day. I hope this time nothing I wrote came out wrong. No, it's 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 fantastic. Um, and so, uh, yeah, a- anyway, good for us to, to follow up. We um, we answered we answered the question that we were given. It was the wrong question, but but gave us an entirely um uh, entertaining answer and um you know have you have you been seeing on the twitter that all these um many many celebrities are are dealing with how often they bathe and no. how often they bathe their children no. so it's so it's it's it are vivian's questions adjacent to this um mm. so so i with the risk of bringing the wrath of the internet on me um there i think this all started with dax shepherd do you know you know about him? He's got a got no. a, a podcast. Uh, no. He's he's married to Kristen Bell. Um, I think this is who it was. Maybe it was. Maybe I got it wrong. I think they. Um, Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard explain why they don't regularly bathe their kids, <laughs> and that led to a whole bunch of Twitter backlash. It, so they they. Um, uh, uh, they they don't bathe them on a schedule. They wait for them to stink, and that tells you when they need to bathe. Huh. Yeah, which is kind of like I'll tell you, dealing with a ten and twelve year old, or almost eleven, almost a thirteen year old. It's very much how we approach this. There, you know, we we would prefer that our children bathe themselves on a mm-hmm. on a daily basis, but it, mm-hmm. there, some battles you just can't win. Um, and so we, we push them when we, when we need to. And I'm, I may have shared this with you, Don. I am an, oh, maybe not an overbather, but I will, it is not a, an uncommon day for me to have three or four showers. Um, yeah, I like to, I, I like, a, I like to be, I like to be clean. I'm a, I'm a clean boy. Uh, and so, so like, like, like today, uh, we're recording this at, uh, and again, no, no obsec, but it's uh, 3.36 PM Eastern time. I have had three and I will most certainly, sorry, I've had two and I most certainly will have a third shower today um, because I will work out and that will necessitate a a third shower. Sometimes, especially if it's really hot, I'll have a fourth shower before I go to bed. So yeah. That's a lot of showers. Are you sure with your skin drying out? No, I, not, not that I, not that I can, not not that I know of. Okay. Well, yeah. As long as it's not your skin's not drying out. No, my fine. my skin seems fine. I think I have some oily some oily mm. skin. So anyway, mm. um, but 
that is all adjacent to the to Vivian's original question, which is, um, uh, should, is it okay to drink from the bathtub? Uh, to which we answered, and also, is it okay to drink from the bath faucet? Which we didn't answer, but I think we are going to tackle in an upcoming um, episode of Risky or Not about um, that. That will tie into: is it okay to cook in the Airbnb? <laughs> Uh, toilet with a very small um, uh, kitchen that is also in the toilet room, uh, but yes. we're, we'll save it for the show. Yeah. Um, sous vide. There's another piece of feedback. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's pass on that because yeah. that's a that's a PDF of an article that I was supposed to read, and I don't know if I read it enough to be able to talk intelligently about it. It was an article that we we came across in doing a Risky or Not article on sous vide, and I, 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 I need to read the article and maybe take some notes in the PDF so I can properly explain it. Okay, got it. So we'll pass on that. All right, hey, we did it. We successfully tackled all of the feedback that we have. Nice. Um, yeah, which is really, really good. There's other stuff going on that I wanted to ask you about, though. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Okay. So, um, uh, there's a, uh, a cake batter um, uh, linked uh, recall. Have you have you seen this? The- I don't know. Tell me more. So, okay. So, let me, let me actually um, forward this to you. Um, I got a call about this this morning. That uh, from uh, Everyday Health, and so um, uh, investigation sixty. This uh, I'll, I'll read. You, you should be able to read along, Don. So I'll send mm-hmm. it to you first. This is from CDC. Uh, a, uh, something that came out a couple of weeks ago. Well, I was on vacation. Uh, you mentioned that I was on vacation. This is another vacation thing that we missed. Um, as of July twenty seventh. 2021, 16 people infected with an outbreak strain of E. coli 0157, sorry, E. coli 0121 uh, have been reported in 12 states, ranging, dates ranging from February 26, 2021 to June 21st, 2021. Um, Laboratory, uh, the, so the, you know, um, uh, ages are two to 73 years, 100% are female, um, 16, um, uh, of the 16 people where there's information available, seven have been hospitalized. It's pretty high, mm. right? Like almost, yeah. um, you know, almost 50%. One person has developed HUS and no deaths have been reported. Um, state and local public health officials are interviewing people about foods they ate the week before they got sick of the eight people interviewed six reported tasting or eating raw batter made with a cake mix. People reported buying different varieties of brands of cake mix. Public health investigators are using PulseNet to identify illnesses. Um, DNA fingerprinting is performed on bacteria, blah, 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 whole genome sequence. Whole genome sequencing showed that bacteria from sick people's samples are closely related genetically. That means people in this outbreak likely got sick from the same food. I'm going to highlight that I that is um, a, a – well, I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> Uh, so, um, uh, FDA is conducting traceback of, uh, using purchase records from locations where p- sick people bought cake mix to try to determine a common cake mix brand or production facility. But we already know that there were different varieties and brands of cake mix based on the six individuals who were interviewed. Um, so, you know, messages don't eat cake batter, eating raw cake batter can make you sick. So here's, here, here's where I think we are. 
Um, we've got uh, a uh, flour contamination mm-hmm. uh, in cake batter. Uh, it is not a surprise based on the previous uh, outbreaks and illnesses associated with raw flour that is E. coli O121 because it seems to be one – it's these non – um, 0157 uh, um, uh, STEX, as I call them, or STEX, as other people call them, uh, popping up uh, in, in relation to this. I wonder more that this is a flour source, not a cake batter source. And certainly cake batter might be the vehicle here. But my speculation is if you've got different varieties of brands of cake mix and you can't draw a line that, yes, there might be different brands, but they're all coming from the same um, company that I think we're looking at a flower source issue um, with this, but this is like sizable, right? Like sixteen with seven hospitalizations. That's that's not good. That's big to me. Well, and what I what I think, what I would guess is the outbreak is actually much larger. Yes, and we are seeing the tip of the iceberg, which is likely the more the the most highly sick people, right? And so uh, that to me. Yes, that's a lot of hospitalizations, but I suspect that there's a lot of people that are just not detected or not detected yet. Ah, ah good, so it good may, point. It may not be that it's a strain that is especially likely to send you to the hospital, but if you go to the hospital, you're definitely going to get that strain um, sequenced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the this and actually, um, I'm giving you a precursor. You're going to get a question from a friend, friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of yours, um, a person, person on my team, Mary, who is, is interested in, in us doing some investigation of heat treatment of things like cake mix and flour and inactivating pathogens. And I know you've done a little bit of this in flour, but is there any thought to you on once we take that flour and start making cake mix out of it and the other ingredients in there that the that that anything would be different on inactivation? Like so for instance, if I'm what what we're trying to answer, let me let me like you know, be way more clear here. If I was at home, similar to making the you know the the home heat treatment for raw cookie dough. Could I mix up um, cake batter that I had heat treated the raw flour for, and then eat if I want to like taste cookie batter or cake batter? Maybe I'm not. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly. What you're okay, saying. good, good, good. So, so what? Like, do you know? Is anybody has have? Is the stuff that you have done? analogous enough to not need to do that work um is there you know is, is there what do we tell consumers about this right like is there some sort of go between of well we want you you want to make raw cook you want to taste your cake batter but let's give you an intervention step before you actually taste it that you could do to make it so you could taste it and not get sick right and so well one solution would be to take the cake mix, make a batter, heat it in the oven, turning it into cake. Correct. And eat that. Easy. Yes. Let's be clear, right? That's probably the best solution to the problem. Best Um, solution. So, so we, we have a, a, a poster that we present, a poster, a presentation that we presented. Yeah. a, A presentation that we presented at the IAFP 2019 meeting. That was back when we had meetings in person. Uh, 
and and the title of the uh, uh, apps or the title of the the presentation is thermal inactivation of Salmonella enterica and non pathogenic bacterial surrogates in wheat flour by baking in a household oven. Yes. And so this is some work that needs to be submitted for publication. It's uh, in the process of the uh, the student now now former student and postdoc writing it up. Uh, she's just got some other higher priority things that she's working on right now. But I definitely want to get this submitted and. And so, yeah, basically, if you if you wanted to eat this as cake mix, you could you could do the process that we say here. Uh, now, we only studied salmonella; we didn't study E. coli. I don't think that there's anything special about that. I think that um, uh, you know, it, it's the the. the the organisms, it's, there's nothing special about E. coli. It's going to inactivate at roughly the same rate as, as salmonella. Um, and then you could make it into cake mix or then you, sorry, then you could, so you could heat the cake mix, you could heat the cake mix in this way. Uh, then you could make it into batter and you could eat that. Now, what my, so a couple of caveats here. Uh, we did this study with flour. I don't know what would happen to cake mix if you heated it in an oven, right? Because a cake mix has other ingredients besides flour. Right. And something might happen to that cake mix that would render, like, turn it into a slab, you know, a solid slab rather what? than flour, which you can heat and it stays flour. Now, what, what I don't know, but what I suspect is that the flour that's heated in this way is not going to be very good for baking, right? Because that you may destroy some of the the functional properties. Now, that you may destroy the cake mix functional properties even more because there's sugar and there's other stuff in there. The sugar is going to crystallize, right? And so, I would say that's the question. That, yeah, yeah. One thing that your team could certainly do is go and buy some cake mixes and then follow this protocol and and see what happens. Don't don't you know follow the protocol but not don't not don't put pathogens in just to see what happens and then make the cake and see what the cake looks oh, like and then make yeah. the cake sure. yeah yeah it, if, if it's even if it even has something that will let you make a cake yeah, right? yeah or if it if it if it solidifies then you know that it won't work uh or then you can try to bake the cake yeah and, and i would do like a control cake where you don't do that yeah so yeah, yeah. And anyway I, I just sent you a link to the uh the the abstract uh which basically so what we did was we we looked at uh a uh, ho- uh, toaster oven set at 300, 350, or 450, uh, and we studied times up to seven minutes. Uh, we we basically heated the flour in, a, in an aluminum tray that was uh, no thicker than two centimeters, right? And so, uh, yeah, that, that, I think that would be something that you guys could replicate in your kitchens and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. And I'll, I'll just I'll pulled up a, you know, you mentioned there are other things in in cake mix. I pulled up the. Pillsbury traditional yellow cake mix, 15.25 ounce package um, from Amazon. And let me read the ingredients. Like it's exactly what you you said. So we certainly, there's a lot of enriched bleach flour. That's the number one ingredient. Um, But now we're looking at sugar, partially hydrogenated Mm -hmm. soybean oil, baking Mm -hmm. powder, um, contains 2% less of dextrose, wheat starch, salt, propylene glycol, uh, monoesters, cornstarch, mono and uh, diglycerides, artificial flavor. So there's a lot more. It's not just, you know, wheat flour or bleached flour. 
um, enrich bleach flower. So, so we don't, that's the, that becomes the question, right? Like, does that, does that matter here for what you want at the end? And does it matter for the pathogen? Like, would it, would it even, um, would it even work? And I think probably it, it would work, but could you make a cake at the end of it? And would, you know, it, yeah, well, yeah, my, my, my bet is no. Yeah, yeah. Or it's not going to be a very good cake. And so, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if it bakes into something that is a brick. Okay. And if it doesn't bake into a brick, I'm going to bet that the cake that comes out of it is not going to be good. That would be my guess. Yep, yep, yep. Um, And that, you know, here's the, here's the thing. um, Where, what is this? Um, There are. Like people incorporate things like cake batter into um, stuff like uh, ice cream, right? So I'm, right. I'm I'm very interested in like cake batter ice cream that that sold at my local ice cream place. Are they heat treating that cake batter? Is it like are is this a is there a risk like a hidden risk that we're not even seeing there? Is it cake batter that is that 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 comes kind of like the cookie dough conversation that we've had in the past where um, cookie dough ice cream has, has had some level of treatment because it doesn't need to turn into cookie dough. Right. Um, But does cake batter ice cream also have that? And what is it like, what, what is that? What's happening? What does it mean? So, yeah. And and in fact, the whole reason for doing the research in the first place is there's a YouTube video that said that you can make safe raw cookie dough by just simply baking in a household oven at 350 for five minutes. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound right. And lo and behold, we did the experiment. And yeah, actually, it does. It works pretty well. Yeah. So at least based on, again, not not peer reviewed, but, you know, we think well executed research. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Okay, so here's one. Now that we're we're here in the in the Google sphere, I just uh, looked for recipe for edible cake batter, and so I'm gonna send you this because this is quite interesting. This edible cake batter is soft, sweet, and loaded with chocolate chunks and sprinkles. The batter does not contain any risk to foodborne illness, as we leave out eggs and bake the flour and cake mix, ensuring this batter is safe to consume. So eating raw cake batter, raw, this comes to us from Chelsea's messy apron.com raw cake batter isn't considered safe because the health concerns revolve around both bacteria and flour and bacteria and uncooked eggs. This raw cake batter is specially formulated to be safe. And while also having those cake batter flavors, you know, and love no eggs in the recipe and we heat treat the flour. So how do they heat treat it? Heat treat in the microwave. Add the cake mix in a microwave-safe bowl and add the flour in a separate microwave-safe bowl. It's recommended heat treating more flour and more cake mix than the recipe calls for. One to one and a half cup extra to ensure you have enough in case of burns or clumps. Microwave bowls separately in bursts of 30 seconds, stirring in between. Take your time stirring well to make sure none of the flour or cake mix burns. Use a thermometer to test the flour and then test the cake mix in a few places to make sure each has reached 165 degrees Fahrenheit throughout. Huh. It's inch I maybe, right? Like the the No, no, but see the problem so first of all, yeah. I would not recommend doing it in a microwave. Right. That seems like a good way to start a fire in your microwave. Okay. Um and then the one hundred and sixty five, they're they're they know enough, but they don't know quite enough, right? And so one sixty five is sufficient if you're cooking a burger, right? But this is this is a dry dry heat. So it's not it's not the same. Um yeah, and so so yeah, preheat to three hundred. Uh, 
you know, spread it, spread it on the pan. Doesn't say how thick, right? Uh, bake, removing, stirring every one to and one and a half minutes, and then test it with a thermometer. No, no, I would say that's not that's not correct. What you should do is like, I mean, if you're going to follow something, the the best thing to follow is this this peer reviewed but not peer reviewed publication that we have at IAFP 2019, right? That that's to me that's the that, that's the best stuff out there. And I, if there was an actual better paper out there, I would I would happily link to it. Yeah, yeah. Inter- interesting. Yeah, this 165, Magica 165, right? Like that's the, yeah. that that's kind of where we're, where it feels like we're constantly at. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, okay. And I know we, we did, I think we measured the, I think we measured the flower temperatures, but I don't, I don't see that in the abstract. Huh. Cool. But the flower heats up for sure. Yeah. And we, and we try, and it's complicated because we tried to do some modeling. So, so the, my, my, uh, former PhD student, uh, Jin Jung is the senior author and, uh, my current, um, co-advised graduate student, Caitlin Kasuli from Michigan state is the middle author. And, and basically Caitlin was going to do some modeling of this and it turns out it's not modelable, at least with the models that we have. Um, and so there's something going on here, like the kinetics, I would not expect the kinetics to be linear, but they are linear, and so there's some there's hmm. something weird going on that we don't completely understand. I mean, I trust the data, but I just don't trust that I really understand what's going on yet. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. So, I, I mean, on on one side, it's good that people are thinking about this and are attempting to make something safe. On the other end, it might be not actually doing what we think it's doing. Um, so. Um, the last thing I wanted to just highlight to you, we got, I, I have a kind of hard out here in a couple minutes. Yep. Um, but, um, you and I are geared up for CFP yes. conference for food protection. It starts next week. I promise that in this podcast, well, it's already started. Well, it's already started. It's, it's, I mean, truthfully, it started in April. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, but, but in this podcast, you know how we don't have an outro or an intro, but in this podcast, I... The, I, I thought you said in this podcast, we promised not to dither. No. In, well, you swore you were going to say that. No, no, but I'm, that's where I'm going. Is in, this, in this podcast, I promise to you that I will get this episode up and ready to listen to by the time CFP starts, um, at least uh, uh, in council sessions on, on Monday. But there are some fun ones. And we're not allowed to debate or deliberate on these now. You know that, right? So you right. and I, all we can do... Is talk about right, right. We'd be in violation of the rules. We will be in violation of the rules. I w- I'm not willing to take that hit uh, for this. But you and I are both on Council Three. There are some really interesting ones that I can't wait to talk about, including um, one on. Uh, and there's a couple. I, I'm going to highlight a couple other issues that I think are interesting from other councils that we won't get to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we one talk about those, right? Because we're not uh, prohibited from talking about those. I guess. I guess you're right. But I want to highlight one that I will be talking to you about that uh, um, that that is about um, uh, the issue is uh, oh gosh, what's it called here? I just blanked on it. Um, temperature of water for hand washing sinks. Um, oh, it, here we go again. Yep, no. Uh, uh, the the issue is recommended solution change the f- 2017 food code session uh, 5-202.12 hand washing sink comma installation a to read as following a hand washing sink shall be equipped to provide warm water 
uh, through a mixing valve or combination faucet, not at a specific temperature of 38 degrees, which is currently there. So I don't want to get your thoughts on that, but um, but that's no, one. But it was submitted by friend of the show, Veronica Bryan. Well, that's a different one. Funny that you should oh, say yeah. that. Oh, wait. Oh, that, that friend of the show, Veronica Bryan, sends a similar one that says um, that the same section uh, be amended to change the minimum required temperature to 21 degrees Celsius or 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So a specific temperature that is lower. Um, there are some interesting ones on... Um, uh, the the creation of a rotisserie chicken uh, food safety committee, not uh, roaster pigs, which was a, a an old committee. I like I like that. There's uh, a nice one here on frozen food uh, cooking requirements for highly susceptible pop- populations. Also from front of the show, Veronica Bryant. Um, yeah. So so anyway, I look forward to spending time with you virtually next week, uh, debating, deliberating, uh, talking about these issues. Um, there is a, um, you know, we, we will talk about these, um, you know, I I think later, but on, um, where was the one that I wanted to talk to you about on council one who, which we both are not currently members of, uh, one that we tackled in a risky or not, uh, Don, if you're looking at the, uh, issues page for council one, I would like to point you to issue zero. One nine storage in toilet rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, currently, storing food in a toilet toilet room is the designation of core violation. We have the opportunity to address potential contamination from the top source of foodborne illness in a more proactive manner by changing the way food and single service items are stored. So the solution is actually to move it to a from a core fa- a core violation to a priority foundation designation. So, in, you know, interesting. This is where um, the sausages, not the Bristol stool uh, scale, but the actual sausages in lawmaking uh, get made in the world of food safety. So I'm, I'm excited for next week's uh, council councils and for Conference for Food Protection. So I, I am excited, too. Also, I'm worried that it's going to be it's going to just be a grueling, grueling slog. It's going to be hard. It is uh, yeah. it, the, much of what makes this meeting works is the ability to see everybody in a room and, and talk through things. And it is the most um, uh, collegial um, uh, the type of conference I've been to where things actually get done. Um, and yeah, it's going to be difficult on, on Zoom. So, but we'll tackle it and it'll be fine. Uh, and uh, I think that's a show. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye.
So when's your hard out? Well, it's kind of a hard out. It's I, it's at four, but it's a meeting that won't start until I get there. And it's only and it's only and it's only three of us. So if I'm like oh, if it's four oh three, um we're fine. We have time to okay. figure out when we do okay. this next. Cool. Have you have you actually read any of these issues? Yeah. Okay. You're doing better than me then. Well, I, I read I read the ones I was interested in. I didn't read the ones I wasn't interested in. And then I, I've counseled a couple of people who are presenting issues on how to count, how to present them and, mm-hmm. and try to like get this through and how one of them, and I won't, won't share it, but one of them was to create a, um, a, a committee. And one of them was to address something specifically in the food code. And they're both really attached to each other. And I thought mm-hmm. y- you should consider it a win if they create a committee and that your other issue gets booted to the, committee yep. should address this yeah exactly um so yeah i've i've, I've looked at i will i uh, 10 of them 12 of them the ones that i'm really interested in cool yeah um uh okay so let's look at next week is a wash with cfp that's why we recorded yep. this week yep. so how about the how does the 25th in the morning look? How does the 26th at yeah, any 25 time? in the morning, wide open. Okay, perfect. Let's do, um, let's do nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nine till 11. Wow, nine till noon. FST. Cool, done. That was easy. All right. Um, what happened? Your your rule of uh, I'm going to book three hours so I have time to do it. Does it didn't didn't. No, I just moved. I, I I just moved it. I like as I said that I moved it to noon. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But I mean today. Oh, so today I booked three hours, and then someone said, "Hey, I need, we need to do this today." <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, yeah, got it." Um, then instead of me doing this at five with you today, let's do it at four. Let's try and squeeze this into two hours. Um, yeah. So so I'm sorry. Um, but I, yeah, anyway, we're, we're good. That was fun. Thanks for letting me talk about food safety and not, uh, other things that are not food safety, which is what I spent the rest of my day on. Oh, no worries. Happy to do it. Uh, So I only captured one title, but I'll, I'll drop this and do the usual, uh, uh, show notes links. Perfect. Awesome. Um, I'm going to do this other meeting and then, I'm going to work out, and then I'm going to edit this while I watch Ted Lasso, because we have not watched any episodes yet. Oh, they're, they're very good. Very okay. good. Highly recommended. Excellent. All right. All I'll, right. Talk to you later. Bye.